Bonjour, bienvenue, and welcome to another episode of Feminist Fridays. This week, my guest is a woman who has an unstoppable inner strength. Her name's Nikki Hamilton, and her story is incredible. After having her contract terminated by an employer when she told them she was pregnant, Nikki didn't let that get her down. Instead, she turned her pain into power and founded a kick-ass business, Seedling Digital, which provides creative marketing services for small businesses who are ready to also make big growth. Nikki is incredibly passionate about wealth, particularly for women, and has made it her personal mission to self-empower other women, to turn their startup dreams into success. But before we hear more about Nikki and her journey, we'll hear a dope tune, which is a response cover of the 2016 hit Starboy, which is, of course, originally by The Weeknd, featuring Daft Punk. But this version is by London producer Bladish, featuring Slovenian singers Ina Shai. Why this song? Well, there's no shade from me if you want to be a star boy or star girl. But if you listen carefully to the lyrics, it's also a reflection about some of the trappings that success can bring. Like if you pray for cars and not pray for love. So get into the groove and we'll be back with Nikki next. You're trying to put me in a worse mood, ah. Be one cleaner than my choo-choo's, ah. Billy Bond too, just to hurt me, ah. All right, a lamb just to tease me, ah. None of these stories on a list, do ah. Made my whole year in a week, too, yeah. Main chick out of your lead, too, ah. Side chick out of your lead, too, ah. Also empty, need a centerpiece. 20 rocks a table, girl from Ebony. Cut the ivory in a skinny pieces. Then I'll sign it with my name, say you love me, baby. You're talking money, need a hair, hey. You're talking about me, I don't see the shade. Switch up my style, I take any lane. I switch up my cup, I kill any pain. And look what you've done. I'm in love with a star boy. And look what you've done. I'm in love with a star boy. Every day my boy try to test me, yeah. Every day my boy try to end me, yeah. Pull up in the roaster, SV, yeah. Pockets of a way getting hefty, yeah. Coming for the king, that's a far cry, yeah. I come alive in a full time, for competition, I don't really listen. You're in a boom, all some up in your edition. Hustle empty, need a centerpiece. Ready, wrecks a table, girl from Melanie. Cut that ivory in a skinny pieces. Then I'll sign it with my name, say you love me, baby. You're talking money, need a hearing aid. You're talking about me, I don't see the shade. Switch up my style, I take any late. Switch up my coat, I kill any pain. And look what you've done I'm in love with a star boy And look what you've done I'm in love with a star boy Let me dig a brack beat Legend of the fall Took a year like a bandit Pop on my crib in a brand new vegan Now she hit the grocery shop looking lavish All track proof and the wreath of calm 
voice when they hear the song Android on a dash got me close to God When I pray for love, you just pray for cars I'm so empty, need a centerpiece Twenty racks a table cut from ebony Cut that ivory in a skinny pieces Then I'll sign it with my name, say you love me, baby You're talking money, need a hearing aid You're talking about me, I don't see the shade Switch up my style, I take it in late Switch up my cup, I kill any pig Look what you've done. I'm in love with a star boy. Look what you've done. I'm in love with a star boy. Look what you've done. I'm in love with a star boy. Hey, Nikki. Hey, how's it going? I'm okay. I have coffee. It's the <laughs> beginning of the day in Paris. So let's mm-hmm. start with a few questions. I'd love you to start by just telling us where you're from and your personal journey. What led you into the financial services industry? Were you always interested in this field? Um, No. <laughs> um. Yeah, I actually have a degree in teaching, so it was kind of off, off, you know, out of field for me to end up in financial services. But, um, yeah, I spent some time traveling. I um, worked as a teacher for a few years, and then I started my own product-based business. Um, and through that, I just kind of realized that I really liked the marketing side, and that was re- where I really excelled. Um, so... Um, through that I actually yeah I decided I didn't want to kind of run that business full-time I wanted to go more into the marketing side so I stumbled across a role um, which was a digital marketing position for a financial services company and they were specifically looking for people who weren't from the industry so that they could come at it with like fresh eyes and kind of you know people who don't necessarily have a financial background um were generally their clients so they wanted to kind of have that lens and um, make sure that they were kind of communicating to the general public um, yeah with that in mind so that was a really good opportunity for me and that's how I got into financial services. Got it interesting so you have told me that in your career journey in this particular uh, role you faced some very challenging circumstances after being told that your contract with an employer wouldn't be renewed with the long st- with the with the contract shortly after informing them you were pregnant can you expand on this when did it happen and are you able to name the employer and what were the um, resulting Im- implications for you financially and for your personal life yeah, um, I probably don't feel comfortable naming them. I'm sure, like, if you did a bit of digging, you could find out. Um, but, yeah, so I had worked with them for almost three years at that point. Um, I was actually, I was in a, in a contract role, but I'd kind of gone from contract to contract and they'd always, um, you know, renewed it and um, I'd had a couple of promotions in that time. So it kind of wasn't even a question um, that it would get renewed or not. Um, and then, yeah, we were in talks um, to, to extend it at that point. Um, and then 
me kind of thinking I was doing the right thing told them I was pregnant um and yeah the chats kind of went cold and then um yeah about a month later they told me that they weren't going to extend it or renew it so um it was really hard I had a really financially stressful pregnancy um that was probably about two years ago now um I ended up deciding to leave that that company early and cancel my contract early um just because I didn't want to stay there and kind of be in that environment and be working for an employer that could could make that decision for the rest of my pregnancy so um, it was a tough call and I definitely, I took a step back in my career. I took a pay cut. I went to part-time instead of full-time. So that had financial implications and I really kind of, um, spent a lot of time, you know, wondering if I'd made the right call and kind of thinking if I had a stage, surely they would have renewed it. But yeah, it was kind of just a tough situation all around. So not, not the easiest. <laughs> yeah. Which is, yeah, which is. It's, you know, it sounds like a real challenge to overcome. Yeah. But, however, you have managed managed to pick yourself up and forge your own path by working for yourself. Can you expand on this process? How long did it take for you to make the decision? Was there an aha moment? I can imagine it must have been extremely difficult, not only as a new mum, but to to go down that path? Um, so I kind of made the decision um, during my pregnancy, actually, um, and kind of I went from this job where I was let go to this job I wasn't really enjoying. So I kind of um, I did a bit of self-wallowing and then kind of eventually made the call that um, I just wanted to make my own way and forge my own path and rely only on myself. So I kind of spent the the second half of my pregnancy putting the groundwork in place to start my own business. Um, and I didn't have a mentor at the time, but like I said, I'd had a product-based business previously. And I also um, kind of pride myself on being a doer and a hustler. So I just kind of made it work. And I um, I really actually spent a lot of time working on my mindset and kind of visualization and meditating on what I really wanted and um, kind of goal setting. But having the baby was a whole new thing. Um, that was definitely a bit crazy. But yeah, I actually found um, while I was breastfeeding him when he was quite little, I had a lot of um, time to kind of work on um, like writing blog posts on my phone while I was feeding him and all those kinds of things. So um, things that I could do while I was holding him, I made the most of like learning, watching YouTube videos and upskilling and listening to podcasts and things like that. So there was a lot I could do in those early days. So when I went back to work at kind of four and a half months, five months, I really hit the ground running. So you do not waste a minute. I love it. <laughs> I, I'm similarly, I'm one of those people that, you know, if I'm, if I've got a little, a moment to myself and I've, or I'm doing something else and I can type on my phone or yeah so I I do relate to that um although I haven't you know I haven't had a pregnancy so (laughs) my hat goes off to you so um you're now a self-confessed wildly successful entrepreneur as well as a creative designer and marketer and are very passionate about helping women to build their own businesses Can you tell us more about the services you offer and the types of clients you work with? How do you take their brain sparks to real life and help them to achieve business growth? 
Yeah, so I um, typically work with female entrepreneurs um, and a lot of what I do is, yeah, helping them be more successful. So um, usually the women I work with have been in business for a couple of years and they've kind of done the DIY website and the DIY brand or the Fiverr brand and they've kind of outgrown that and they're ready to like take it to the next level, I guess. So um, they really understand the kind of power and value of having like a really cohesive online presence um, and the clientele that they're working with typically look for that as well. So um, fulfilling that for them, yeah, definitely allows them to have more confidence in their offering and um, definitely grow their own businesses. So I work with a lot of kind of coaches and interior designers and stylists and um yeah like I said it's typically women but I have had a few male clients as well um which surprises me whenever they come through because my style is not very masculine but um yeah it's it's always a fun journey (laughs) so you've mentioned that you wanted to empower women to not feel ashamed of making money when you mentioned this I have to say I felt horrified that some women might feel ashamed in this day and age of making money why do you think this is and how are you helping women to own their financial success and feel proud about it um I think yeah I guess from my background like I kind of was brought up in a family where you know money was a scarcity and um it was kind of something that we never had enough of and um I, I think I had to like uh, unpack a lot of my own money shit because I was probably one of those women that was like afraid of making money. And I think it's something that you you have within you and, and you don't even consider it. Like, you know, you see someone with a Range Rover and you go, oh, like rich dicks or whatever. You know, we have these like money beliefs that we have that are kind of from our childhood that we don't really confront and without doing that I feel like it's not possible to be wildly successful if that makes sense so I've done a lot of work around my money mindset and um with my clients as well I I kind of try and pass that on with every project I work with um and yeah I think like unpacking that and kind of changing those innate beliefs um, enables you to be more successful and to make more money and um, just kind of flip the words you use, like little things like saying, you know, oh, I'm not good with money, like changing that to be like I'm um, I'm learning about money all the time and I'm making good decisions for my financial future and things like that. So it's, um, yeah, I, th- I just think it's really common in women and um, probably some men too as well, but um, I just think it's something that, it's just kind of ingrained in us from our childhood and um, what we've Mm. gone through. So just breaking that up, I guess. And so from what I gather, you conduct a lot of your work with your clients online. Whilst in in today's age, this is very common, especially now in confinement. It's my belief that nothing beats the power of real human connection, i.e., you know, meeting in person at least when possible and for some occasions. When I ran my own um, international PR consultancy some years ago, I did most of my work online, as I do now as a consultant and an academic, but also many of my clients did have uh, face-to-face meeting preferences fairly regularly when they, they were based in Sydney with me. Does online work present any challenges for you? 
And how do you ensure that you establish real collaborative connections with your clients built on trust and humanize your business? I guess, yeah, this is something I'm working on at the moment, actually. So, um, yeah, a lot of Zooms, obviously. <laughs> Before, yeah. I guess we're in Corona situation while we're recording, so not so many face-to-faces at the moment. But I would sometimes have face-to-faces if I had clients local um, to me previously within the last few months. Um, but I'm actually where previously I've been quite um, strict about people emailing me for requests and not texting me and things like that. I've actually kind of flipped that recently to um, be a lot more inviting on my Instagram. So I'm actually finding that if people send me a voice memo, um, I can reply to it quite quickly and talking the answer to them is a lot easier and quicker to me than it is to type or to sit down to an email. Um, So I'm actually trialing you know, being wildly available to them through Instagram. And um, so far that's gone really well. And I'm actually finding I'm getting a deeper connection with clients and they're able to kind of keep up to date with where their project is. And um, that's working really well so far. Um, So yeah, Instagram. And I also use Instagram a lot um, in terms of stories and things like that for kind of marketing and um, just keeping people up to date and kind of giving a bit of a glimpse and behind the scenes. So yeah, Instagram. Yes. I love it. <laughs> well, we are already Instagram friends, yeah. so thank you, thank <laughs> you for connecting that way. And um, yeah, I, I do. I I see your point. You know, it's it is difficult to um, establish, you know, those human connections, and doing it through social media can sometimes be a way of of achieving that. So yeah, totally. It's great to hear. Yeah. Okay, so you've also mentioned that uh, through your work in the financial sector, you've seen how far women fall behind in terms of super and retirement funds. And and you've mentioned that as women, we have so much to contend with in terms of wealth gaps. This is a huge concern to me because as, as a human rights academic, I know that Australia is a signatory to the 1995 Beijing platform, which all which is all about equality in 12 critical areas of concern, one of them being economic empowerment for women and economic equality. From your own experience, why do you think this is happening in Australia, the lucky country, and a member of the Human Rights Council? And what do you need? needs to change in order to turn this around yeah I think a lot of it's probably that kind of time where women have babies and take time off and take career breaks um you know if you're earning 100k a year and you're getting 9.5 percent super that's ten thousand dollars almost that's not going into your super um and at retirement that can be depending on your age up to like 200 grand and um that's a massive difference. And men aren't having those career breaks. So I think that's a massive difference. Um, And then even um, while they're having those breaks, like, you know, getting paid from from work, but then also when they go back, they're kind of falling behind in their careers uh, because they've had that time off. Um, They might be um, only back kind of three or four days a week in some instances to have that flexibility and, um 
yeah, I think that's a, a massive part of it. Um, I think another part of it is definitely just from the start that that pay gap, like women are still paid less than men and obviously that results in less super. Um, and then um, I, I hate to generalise, but I feel like there's it's probably um, more common that men would take an interest in putting extra money into their super. Um mm-hmm where I think a lot of women just don't think about that and we really need to. We need to be putting a higher percentage in from a younger age. Um, so I think that's kind of important to get that word out there. Let's, uh, I guess, focus on the next. My next question to you is that, as you've already mentioned, you're a woman who juggles unpaid work with their own careers. How do you manage this? And perhaps what advice do you give to other women who are facing the same challenge or lack recognition of it of this and just as this is a youth focused segment perhaps you could also offer some advice around what young women could consider when entering employment or starting their own business and might want to start a family one day yeah so in terms of managing it um just trying to get that balance right with your partner as much as possible so um my husband probably does the majority of the cleaning in our house. Um, I'm not a domestic goddess, I must say. Oh, I'm not either. <laughs> um, he's also a great cook, so we kind of share that as well. Um, nice. But definitely in terms of childcare, the majority of it falls to me, and some of that is because I'm still breastfeeding and that's kind of a biological thing that we can't change at the moment. Um, but we, yeah, I also, you know, sometimes have to hustle my, my partner to make sure he's home from work some some days so he can share the um, daycare pickups and things like that as well. So just kind of being constantly on top of that and aware of it and um, being open and about it and kind of communicating when things aren't working well um, or alternatively outsourcing. Like, you know, if he doesn't have time to clean one week and that's not my forte. I would rather hire someone to do it than kind of get into a fight about it. Um, if you know, and obviously I'm privileged to have to be in that position, but, um, so that's one thing. Um, I also think like as women, just, um, when you're going into the workforce, um, negotiating your salary right from the start and getting into the habit of that, because I think, uh, you know, I don't have any quotes at the top of my head, but the majority of men, this is something that they just do. They just think that they're entitled to, ha- to have more money than they're being offered. Whereas um, I think as women, we're much more likely to just take what what we're offered. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas that negotiation can kind of really add up over a lifetime of different roles and different jobs. So um, yeah. that's definitely one. And then another one is um, to put extra money into super right from the start. Um, if you get your employer to set that up for you, you don't even see it, you don't even notice it. But it will make a huge difference in retirement. Um, and a lot of companies these days do like super matching. So if you put an extra 2% in, they might put an extra 2% in. So definitely like check if there's anything like that that you're eligible for and take advantage of that because it's basically free money. So I must say yeah. I've I've had the opportunity to always negotiate my job contracts, um, yeah. both when I've been an employer, an employee, an employer and consultant. So it's not something that I'm scared of that yeah. talking about talking about money, but I do understand that you know it could be scary yeah. for a lot of women. So thank you for sharing that encouragement. 
So another thing you've mentioned, and I found that on your website, is that you are a perfectionist. I, too, am a perfectionist. And whilst it has enabled to me to, you know, uh, realise ambitions and achieve success in a lot of ways, it's also a personal trait that I'm aware of because it can be harmful. I wasn't actually aware of this until a psychologist helped me to understand it through therapy because I've lived through anxiety and depression. And personally, when I'm a perfectionist, it usually goes directed to my work, my studies, the way I look, my personal brand, the way I have, the way I have relationships, the way I try and manage my social media, what I eat. But it can be extremely draining and consuming and I've had to learn to let a lot of aspects of my perfectionism go or at least be really aware of them and not take on too much. Do you relate to any of this? Yeah, a lot of it. (laughs) Okay. Um, Yeah, so I actually was diagnosed with postpartum depression probably only about two months ago now Um, and my baby's um 14 months so uh, it was after he'd turned one um yeah so I've kind of experienced it myself um and definitely I I take on too much work all the time that's like probably my biggest biggest struggle is kind of finding that balance and but because I also love it I um you know I'm I'm doing my client work but I'm also marketing my own business and trying to build my business and kind of putting all that in the mix it's it's a recipe for taking on too much so um I think in some ways um I do have the opinion or I have taught myself to have the opinion that sometimes done is better than perfect so um just getting on and like if I have something to say I've been getting on Instagram live and just talking about it and then I've been taking that video and putting it on my blog on my Um, website so instead of like editing it and you know or rewriting it into a blog post I'm just using that content you know because it's real and it's raw and it's um you know it's repurposing it so um I'm trying to do more things like that instead of you know do everything perfect every time um and yeah just I guess a bit more forgiving of myself and what I can and can't do like I um I can't do to the um, percentage I would have, you know, before I had a baby where some nights I would just work and work and work and I would log off the computer at 11 o'clock. Like I just can't do that anymore. So, um, yeah, especially still not sleeping through the night. I need to get to bed early. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, just I guess like you say, just being aware of it. Yeah, I think, and and thank you for sharing that, you know, you've also experienced some uh, postpartum depression. I think that's, thank you for that, courageous for sharing that. What led you to become a feminist and how has it inspired your work and how do you ensure, I mean, you've mentioned this a little bit already, but how do you you ensure that you are inclusive and promote diversity and equality? I guess probably the same similar answer as the last question, I guess, just being aware of it. Um, So just little things in my day-to-day life, like trying not to say things like, oh, that's crazy. Like, you know, using ableist language or just being aware that I'm a cis white woman. Like I probably have a lot more kind of opportunities and um, privileges afforded to me than a lot of other people do. So 
um, being aware of that, um, not taking it for granted and, um, yeah, just trying to be a bit more inclusive in my in my work. So, for example, in terms of like even when I'm still selecting stock images for clients, I'm trying not to always just choose um, white men or white women, like trying to kind of be a bit more broad in what I'm searching for. So just I, I think all of that small stuff adds up, hopefully. <laughs> and yeah, not enough, but, you know, it does. Although money and economic empowerment are extremely important, especially for women, I uh, believe that money isn't everything. And in the words of Sia, one of my favourite artists, what are your cheap thrills? What else brings you joy? And especially in these times of economic uncertainty with COVID, or coronavirus what advice do you have for our listeners in order to remain hopeful connected and to ensure that they not only have economic security but also emotional and mental security just trying to take a little bit of time for self-care um i really like um going for a walk and listening to a podcast or an audiobook um that's probably my main thing that i do kind of on a regular basis um just getting some fresh air and um putting my headphones in and um i try and get in the water like try and just go for a swim as much as i can we're pretty lucky here we're on the gold coast um Yes, I'm having a beach envy right now. <laughs> yeah, and it's still been warm enough to go swimming, so I've been really happy about that. Nice. Mm, yeah, that's probably it. Those are my, my main things. Um, hot tip if you're like a lot of um, libraries these days allow you to get access to BorrowBox, which is like a free audiobook app, and you can like rent books um, that you would normally, you know, pay a lot of money through Audible for. So, um I've been doing that and it's been awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I also, I very I very similarly do, I go for walks to just, it helps me to just think and yeah. in my head and it's part of my self-care. So, and it's free. So that's a bonus. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> especially at the moment, it's kind of one of the only things we can do as well. So you've got you to get outside or you just go a bit stir crazy. Although in Paris we do have to carry a mandatory police form, and I've really? been stopped. yeah yeah we've got to carry a mandatory police form. We're only allowed out for an hour at a time, and All I've right. been stopped three times by the police. Oh wow! One time, yeah, just for sitting beside Canal Saint Martin, which is one of my favorite places in Paris and in my yeah. neighborhood. Ironically, one time I was listening to a, a podcast on mindfulness, so I was like, <laughs> all the crazy things I've done, the police are stopping, pulling me over for mindfulness. Listening to a podcast on mindfulness. That's too good. <laughs> yeah, and I couldn't really, exp- my, my French isn't strong enough to explain that to them. I just had to yeah. But, um, yeah, I do go for walks. I can, I can still enjoy that. Unfortunately, we've reached the end, but of our podcast for today but lastly where can our listeners find you and connect with you on your services thank you um yeah so i'm at seedling digital on instagram um i'm also on facebook but it's not really my jam so instagram is probably the best spot to find me um 
you can also check out my work at sailingdigital.com.au um yeah or connect with me on linkedin as well because i'd definitely love to expand my kind of circle of women in business and um, women succeeding on there as well um just to get a bit inspired so just um have a look me up um that is nicola gastra i believe on there um, okay, yeah. awesome. I will do that. If we're not already connected, I'll make sure I yeah. do. Yeah, awesome. Okay. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Nikki, for taking the time out of your busy day to join us. I really yeah. appreciate it. And I hope you enjoy some um, cheap thrills and other, any other thrills this weekend. Have a thrilling <laughs> weekend. Yeah, you too. <laughs> Well, that's a wrap for Feminist Fridays this week. But before you tune out, keep the radio on and enjoy some cheap thrills, courtesy of Sia, featuring Sean Paul. And yes, knowing it's me, it's a remix. And I don't know about you, but it's Friday and it won't be long till I hit the dance floor in the confinement of my bedroom to get some cheap thrills of my own. 